Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode, uh, this is 253 of the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, my guest today already thinks I'm crazy, and we told her this is a very low-budget <laughs> podcast, and I've screwed up like 10 things. We'll, we'll get it back on track. I promise. Uh, my guest today is Sarah Munn. She is the founder and executive director at Healing Grace Center for Hope and Healing. She was actually a referral to come on. I say referral request. I don't say referral is weird. Uh, um, a recommendation, I should say. Yeah. A recommendation that to come on good. by a very um, great person um, locally. And I kind of did a little bit of background looking at it. And then I said, you know what? Sounds interesting. And it's different. <laughs> I've never had it before. It, it seems um, – I think what you're going to talk about is going to be like – like kind of a, a heavy subject, but you already seem very light and fun and based on Absolutely. things I think I think you're going to make it um, good. So for people that do not know you, give sure. us kind of like, who, how'd you get here? Like give us, sure. give us a little background on you. Uh, sure. No problem. I am, so I'm North Country native, uh, graduated in 1994 from Seton and um, eventually landed in Kansas City. Um in 2005, and yes, I am a Kansas City Chiefs fan, uh, die hard since then, um, <clears throat> when they were really bad. <clears throat> so you're not a bandwagon fan at all? No, no. Okay. Taylor Swift had no influence on my fandom. That's, okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you know, you know so I'm not going to, I'm going to give you the kind of the, the long, short version. So ended up in Kansas City, uh, married... Uh, lived out in Kansas City for about five years, and it during our tenure out there, ended up uh, getting pregnant with our first child in 2008, and um, ended up going to our ultrasound at 20 weeks, expecting to find out that our daughter... Um, or find out if we were having a girl or a boy, basically, mm-hmm. did not have any anticipation that anything could be going wrong. You know, had that mindset that you make it through your first trimester and then you're going to have a baby. So um, in 2000, and then on August 7th, we had that ultrasound and found out that uh, the baby had a neural tube defect, which uh, was anencephaly, in which the skull um, does not form. So therefore, the brain does not form. And it's it's a life limiting diagnosis. The prognosis is um, there's there's really no chance of survival. Um, we chose to carry her to term um, through the guidance of our provider out there and with the support of an organization called Alexandra's House. Alexandra's House was uh, founded in 1997 by a an aunt who had lost her niece after 28 days, and that was the key to our making it through from 
day one until she was born on December 2nd. Um, that organization uh, connected us with other families that had lost pregnancies, had lost babies, and um, we developed friendships and connections. And it was really the most important part of our process um, and getting to to Grace's birth on December 2nd. Grace was born December 2nd at 7.56 in the morning. Um, she uh, was born via C-section. So uh, the in the operating room, uh, White Christmas by Bing Crosby was being played. Um, and she lived for five hours. And it was, I had all my friends, I had family, everybody was able to be a part of Grace's life. And that was really important to me. And so here we are. Um, I don't want to make light of that, that day, but moving forward, when we continued to have the support of Alexandra's house, we, have, we eventually knew that we were going to have another baby, which we did in 2010, uh, February 23rd, 2010. Anastasia was born at 10 pounds and was a walking, talking toddler uh, right out the gate. She's like three months old, that three-month-old baby, giving birth to a three-month-old baby. We knew we wanted to come back to the North Country, so we did, in 2010, move back to the North Country. And over the years, I've talked about starting an organization to support families um, of infant and pregnancy loss. I wanted to start in Alexandra's house, um, air quotes, Alexandra's house. Mm -hmm. And I would talk about it and talk about it, never did anything about it. And in 2019, I had um, shoulder surgery um, and reconnected. My physical therapist was a girl that I went to high school with. And in the course of rekindling our friendship, she's like, you know, you talk about doing uh, this Alexandra house, house type thing. Why don't you just do it? And so I did. I just was like, I'm going to do it. And so in the heart, uh, in 2020, in the heart of a pandemic, I started this nonprofit to support uh, families that have gone through similar losses as I had, just un knowing that the best way to find support is connecting with others that have gone through it. So I did, and it was all online at first, and um, I have no background in starting a business, let alone a nonprofit. Um, I worked in psychiatry for years, so um, this. So here we are, 2023, going into our, our, in our fourth year, and growing so um so i like i said i i have well kind of go back a little bit like i think one, one of the reasons i had like i wanted to have you come on is because obviously this is like a, a you know it's a heavy subject i think for i've never gone through it i'll be honest i have three kids i thank god they're healthy um one of my worst fears or my worst I, I would say my worst fear in life is like my children passing before me, which is, mm, um, you know, and it's not a, and I try to put it in perspective and I'm not a, like a overbearing parent and I'm not, you know, I, I let them like, I want them to do their thing. Right. And it's like anything else. Like I wouldn't want something to happen to my parents, my siblings, my wife, anything like that. But, um, I, I remember vividly my first kid w was getting ready to be born. Um, and it was the so he's born on Christmas Day, so it was it was probably Grace's birthday to be honest, right around then. And uh, I someone told me um, I remember being on the phone and I was like, oh, "Yeah, we're getting ready to have the kid." And they said, 
oh yeah my kid was like was stillborn or my not my kid my grandchild was like stillborn and number one i'm like Oh, like mm. never, I mean, not that I didn't know that was a thing, but never crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. And I remember vividly hearing that. Number one, I was like, I don't know why that person just told me that. But um, but then at the time too, I was like, I like instantly kind of went into this like, like kind of a panic mode of like, oh my God, there's stuff that can happen. And mm. I know people that have locally that are, you know, friends or um you know, have lost children. I think similar to Grace was were born and, and passed soon after. And, um, you know, I just, so I, I guess a lot of it is, you know, kind of, it's like a heavy topic for me to talk about because it's like almost like facing on like a fear, but it's also something that I think is, you know, I think is going to help people if they go through that. And again, whether or not you have a kid, I think someone that you know, it's probably going through this because it's, you know, and again, I want you to kind of speak to, you know, whatever. I don't want to say statistics. I feel like that's a bad word, but just kind of like, you know, what happens and how things happen. And um, I guess starting from kind of wherever you want to start on this, you know, better than I do. I, I just kind of like open the floor to you because I don't know a lot, except that it was always a fear of mine of something happening. And we were very lucky, but I know a lot of people have had you know, miscarriages. I know a lot of people that have, and I would say miscarriages, that counts, right? It's all, oh, absolutely. I say counts, but I mean, it's still, absolutely. yeah. So, I mean, a miscarriage is a loss prior to 20 weeks. Okay. Uh, stillbirth would be, if so if the baby dies in utero um, after 20 weeks, that's a stillbirth. Okay. Okay. And there's, I mean, and there's, I, I can't even list the things, you know, you, when you go into this, you know, you go into having a baby, like I said, there's a naivety of thinking that once you get through that first trimester, trimester, which is your biggest risk for mm-hmm. miscarriage, that everything is going to be okay. Um, one in four pregnancies end in loss. Um, there are approximately 21,000 stillbirths a year. Yeah. Um, so it is it's 15 times more prevalent than um, a baby dying of SIDS, not to make light of that but it is an extremely prevalent um, issue. Um, and that's just in the United States. Um, and so looking at all of that, I mean, and there's um, definitely one of the things that I've learned over the years is that 25% of those stillbirths are actually preventable. So there's actually legislation currently, a bipartisan bill in, um, in the House and the Senate um, to allocate money to improve research and awareness and um, educate education awareness and then reporting on the statistics because you know doing this for for four years and and trying to get grants you do a lot of research and um, there's the reporting is is state to state and it's not consistent and like reporting a miscarriage states aren't actually required some states don't even have a requirement to report a miscarriage prior to 20 weeks so um the it could be even more prevalent um but that being said with all the things that can go wrong um and you think i lost my first child how did i dare go and get pregnant again when you realize that all of these other things can happen and the actual fact of the matter is is that when you do have that baby it's you know, a, a, such a miracle. Um, you you kind of, as a parent, just have to 
well, I can't, I have to say that second pregnancy with my daughter, Anastasia, was the most anxiety ridden pregnancy that I've ever could ever imagine having. Uh, but that that said, I, the, the support that I had, I learned early on that I'm going to have this darkness, this grief, this whatever you want to call it, the loss of my daughter is going to be there forever. And how can I continue if I don't have any kind of hope or if I don't go back to some sort of normalcy, which means trying to get pregnant again, which means having a baby and facing the risk that that baby could too also not survive. Um, And then, you know, it's been 15 years and over the years, I still have those dark moments in grief and sadness. I mean, her birthday was the second, so it was a mm-hmm. few weeks ago, and I, I spent that, spent that day in a in a lot of sadness and, and though, but I also know that I can get to that other side, and um, I want to be an example for other people, for that, and um, how can it's a thing that's happened. So, one. It's an unfortunate thing that I wish would never happen to anybody. That being said, it's going to happen. So what can we do to be available for our community to support that family when it does happen? Um, two uh, two questions I want to ask you about it. Are, are you pretty open about talking about most I, of this? I am. A, yeah, okay. I'm so really open. I, I guess my, my first question is when you find out about Grace and you, you know, at the 20-week mark, um, like, what was the reason that you wanted to carry it full term versus, you know, so, the alternative? Um, and then I guess my second question is, what was the reason, you know, again, kind of, I'm going to have, you know, Anastasia, I want to have my, you know, the second child. And then the, the mindset of like, you know, what, I'm going to face this head on. And, you know, I guess both of those two. I mean, again, I this is... Yeah, it's just, it's new to me, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, um, I, I'll, I'm going to get into a little a little detail about the, the day. So we went into our ultrasound, and we're in the in the room, and the, um, the tech puts the wand on my belly and immediately leaves the room. And I knew right then and there that there was something wrong. Uh, my husband was like, oh, no, no, and I'm like, something's wrong, and she comes back. Uh, with the doctor, who again puts the wand on my belly and less than a minute tells us that, you know, um, this baby has an encephaly and it's 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 fatal. And so I threw up. I literally had a physical reaction and threw up in the room and uh, I screamed out that I wanted it out of my belly. And so how do you get from that to make deciding to carry the baby to term? We, um, my husband and I, I actually <clears throat> went in the next day to schedule the termination. Uh, my, my provider at the time um, did not uh, perform late-term uh, terminations. Mm-hmm. And so I went in by myself, scheduled it. This was a, so we were diagnosed on a Thursday. I went in on a Friday, scheduled it for the following Tuesday. And so we had this, we had several days to sit with this possibility. And, you know, talking to family, talking amongst ourselves. And we found, we had a lot of signs. And uh, the provider, my provider had said that 
if the baby survived to term, there would be no pain. Um, there was really no risk to my health carrying the baby until she, the baby died. Um, so we just kind of went back and forth with it. And again, again there was some signs for us that just kind of indicated that maybe what we were planning, the termination wasn't really going to be right for us. Um, so we went back to our provider and we canceled the, 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 we went back to our provider and went back or canceled the termination, went back to my provider and we decided that we're going to just keep going. Um, I knew that for me, I could potentially regret terminating the pregnancy and not letting it happen naturally. I don't, I was never going to regret going to term if she made it to term. Um, and that's not the same decision for everyone. And by, by no means do I, um, I support whatever the family decides. This is such a personal decision. And it was something that took a lot of conversation. Um, we prayed, we, we, we went back and forth. And so it's a personal decision for us. And that's what we decided. And so moving forward, we, we just went with the, we got connected with an organization that was going to support us to, to her end, to the, to the birth and to her, to death. And, and that was, that was what worked for us. And then leading up to her birth on December 2nd, and then our provider also, she was breech. So our provider gave us the option of doing uh, a C-section because if she would have, Grace would have died in, in the birthing process had we done um, it naturally. Um, so we decided to do the C-section um, as she was also breached and wasn't moving um, to, get, to get into the birthing position. And so that just kind of, we just, it just worked for us. That's what we, what we felt comfortable with. Um, then afterwards, you know, you go in for your follow-ups with your provider and I felt like I needed to talk about the future and getting pregnant again. I knew I wanted to have a baby. I knew I wanted to be a mom. I was already a mom, but I wanted to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And I had something to look forward to. So they said, you know, in six months, you can try getting pregnant again. And actually, like six months the day we were pregnant again. Um, and it was just something for me to look forward to. Um, putting aside all of the fear, um, I just knew that that's what I wanted. Did that help with the grieving process? Looking back at it, probably not. Okay. I don't think I was completely in a... If I look back at it now, as a young mom, after the death of one baby, and then you have a new baby like a year or so afterwards, um, I didn't really give myself a lot of time for mm -hmm. that. Um, but I don't know if I would have changed it either, right? Because now I have this wonderful, almost 14-year-old... Um, I say wonderful. She has her moments <laughs> for sure. Sounds like a teenager. That's all right. Teenager. <laughs> teenager. Um, and so, you know, it, it, I think hindsight is twenty twenty for sure. Uh, thinking about, um, you know, going right in at six six months and getting pregnant again. But, um, but here we are now, and I have been able to kind of get to a, pos a point where um, at least I can recognize that and but you know just kind of there's not much i can do about it now so um 
when did you name Grace Grace? So we didn't find out we were having a girl or a boy uh, at that ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up a, a, couple, a woman that I befriended through Alexandra's house. Her son had died a year uh, before Grace, um, and she was actually friends with the tech that had diagnosed Grace. And so in October um, of 2008, she took us into um, her office after hours and did a private ultrasound to tell us that we were having a girl. We got video of Grace moving and just normal, like there was no, like you just knew what you were going into, but we got to see her. We got to see her move. We got to just be with her for, you know, like an hour. Um, and at that point we found out we we're having a girl and we had had another name. We'd had actually Anastasia's name pre- prior to, um, finding out that, that Grace, that Grace was not going to survive. And so we, we were like, well, we need, there's some, she needed a, a different name. Like we, there was something that needed to be, that was more, I don't know. It just didn't fit. Like just giving her the name Anastasia. We we went around about it, and so we named her Grace Anne. Um, and actually, Anne in Hebrew means grace. Grace. So, okay. so yeah, yeah. So anyway, she's a lot of grace. We get a lot of grace. Um, and just we just kind of talked about it. It was a you know I don't have a lot of memory around naming her. Um, there's because it you know, you, you remember certain things. Like I can remember the day we were diagnosed. And then there's times during that period where you're like, how did I even get out of bed? Yeah. I mean, I was going to work. I, I was going to work every day. Um, like, you know, I think I missed a half a day. I left work early once in mm. that whatever, five, four or five months. Um, people didn't ask me about her. People didn't ask how I was doing. They knew about it though. Yeah. They were instructed okay. not to talk to me about it. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, talk about it. I was going to ask, so so you would say to voice, or for others to ask you? Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, even if, if somebody has, you know, either if they, if they have a, a medical diagnosis that the baby's going to die or there's a health issue that the mom is going to, um, ha- there's like a health, health risk to the mom to carry the pregnancy or they've gone through a miscarriage or they've had a stillbirth, always talk about the baby that baby existed in those in that family's mm-hmm. eyes and so saying nothing is worse than saying the wrong thing sometimes what do you think um and again having you experienced this and and now um over time you know having dealt with you know families and stuff regarding this like what's what's your like if you could write up a guide like this is how to treat families going through this like talk about it i mean is it hugs is it time is it gifts is it like is there you know or is it just go get educated on it I, I mean i know it's like weird but if you said hey here's a this is how i look at the best way out of all my research and experience the best way to go about this so i would first of all i'm going to preface like i'm just a mom so i don't really have any kind of like education or this is just an experience thing this is just like my experience i've done a lot of reading obviously and um and I've read a lot of books about grief and books about pregnancy loss um, and being a person that has gone through it. Um, and I, so I do get asked by, um, you know, other people that, friends or family that have 
uh, you know, friends or family going through that. And I always say, the best thing to say is, I want to acknowledge one, it's acknowledgement, it's validating, you know, acknowledging the, the baby, validating whatever they're going through, and not minimizing. Um, one of the key things is not to say, well, you know, God needed an angel. Well, you know, that's all well and good, but I, I really would prefer my baby to be in my arms. Like that mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. comfort me. Um, or at least you were only such and such weeks. It's, it just invalidates and puts shame on the, what that person's going through. We, so, you know, if you know somebody that's going through that, it's just, it, it's just being there. I, I, I just saying, I don't know what to say to you. I just want you to know that I'm here. I want to support you in the best way that I can, even if it's going to coffee and sitting there in silence. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing that you're acknowledging what they're going through, validating that all they're feeling is okay and right, or, you know, I, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but everything that they're going through is valid mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. And, and that you're, you can, you want to help. And then not, if you want to help, then do something like make a meal or say, Hey, you know, I want to take you to coffee. So we don't have mm-hmm. to talk. We can just go to coffee. Put the, don't put it on them to ask you for help because how many, I mean, I, I'm not really good at it. I'm not going to ask you for help. Mm-hmm. I'm, I would rather deal I'm, with it yourself. I'm, like, I'm going to yeah. sit quietly and, you mm-hmm. know, but if you see that person is want, and you want to support that person, best thing to do is just tell you tell them how you're going to help and, and if that's not the if that's not something they want like if they're like oh i can't do coffee okay then you know th- that might open a conversation of what they do want for help so having you know gone th- you know through this and now starting so i guess i want to dive into you know the, the, the what you have going on here with healing grace so um when did because you talked about your friend mentioned it in 2019 you started in 2020 mm-hmm. what was ultimately the decision where you're like you know what i'm doing it like like kind of like because i i guess you said how long before that moment was this in your mind to start from like day one 2008 or was uh, this well at, at least from like 2010 when i moved back i mean i okay. I, I i had mentioned it um over the years that it would be so great to start this kind of organization. Um, in 2019, when my friend finally, it was May of 2019, where she was like, you should do this. I did go out to, I, at, I, for almost 20 years, I worked for a psychiatrist in Kansas City. And when we moved uh, in 2013, I started working for the company remotely here in, um, here in the area. And so I was going to Kansas City quite a bit. And I was taking a trip out to Kansas City for work, and I set up a meeting with Patty Lewis, who's the uh, founder and the founding mother of um, Alexandra's House. And I set up a lunch date. I hadn't seen her in a while, and I wanted to connect with her, and I wanted to talk to her about starting this organization. And expecting going in, into this organi- this conversation where uh, she was going to give me the kind of the technical lo- lowdown on how to start an organization like this mm-hmm. and what it is to run a nonprofit, and she did none of that. Okay. <laughs> but she, what she did say is, if you know, 
she did encourage me and she just asked me to really um, do some self-reflection and, you know. Did she try to talk you out of it? No. Okay. No, she didn't talk me, try to talk me out of it, but it was more of a, like an encouragement. I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but if I feel she felt like this was something that was baby was maybe written in the cards for me, but to really kind of self-reflect and do some, some thought on it. And so I was like, well, I didn't get the information that I thought I was going to get, but I got encouragement and it was really great to see her and um, reconnect with her. And, and, you know, I actually get cards and I get, um, I get a card from them every um, December 2nd for her birth, for Grace's birthday. Um, and so I got, I, I read a book. Uh, it's called um, Fight, uh, the Souls, oh my gosh, my friend is going to kill me. <laughs> she wrote it. So this, this, my friend of mine, Ani Anderson, wrote a book called uh, um your soul's agenda, finding your purpose. I'm, I butchered the title. What, what, of that what's book. her name? Ani Anderson. Uh, she wrote a book, and it's. I, I may have mistyped that. Uh, Ani, A N I. Okay. Yeah, and uh, she. There she is. Okay. Yeah. Finding your soul's agenda. There you go. Sorry, Ani. That's all right. <laughs> so I read that. I read it three times in ni- 2019, and it, it's all it talks about like getting to your word, mm-hmm. and and in in it in my word is accomplished, and I wanted to feel accomplished, and to me feeling accomplished is being at peace, and um, and content, and knowing that I was am intelligent and able to do things, and so kind of that book really set the ball rolling that I could do something like this. Mm-hmm. I had never had really a whole lot of self-confidence. And obviously, you know, I was content being um, in a job that I didn't particularly love and just paying the bills and kind of going through life. And I took an opportunity to challenge myself. And so I... Got a business coach, um, Elizabeth Pearl. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's been on the podcast. She's yep. great. Elizabeth Pearl. So uh, I'm a mon. She's a pearl. We're from Cliff Haven. There's a lot of us. And so. I was going to say, she's a big family, but she's she's a great yeah. lady. Yeah. So uh, Elizabeth Pearl and, uh, and I started working together as a, in, in the, as a business coaching relationship. And um, she kind of guided me and helped me get to the point where I was submitting the paperwork and becoming um, an incorporated uh, nonprofit. And it was just, things just kind of happened. It was just like, I'm going to just do it. So I just did it. It was just like, just do it. Did you jump into it 100%? Or did you still have a job at the time you started I stayed with my job in Kansas City for um, up until fall of last year. Oh, so you were working remotely from there? Yep. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, so now full-time, this is, like you were saying before, this is kind of the whole gig now. So you're, you know, not not yep. toes in the water, but like head first, dove in, deep end. Yeah. I mean, the whole goal of this is to get it to the point where it's sustainable. Um, I'm the only person that works at Healing Grace. Uh, so I am 
program development, program launching. I do the accounting. You swap the hats out throughout the day. Right. Yep. <laughs> yep. I clean the toilets. I do it all. Um, I rescue cats in my office and <laughs> I have four rescue cats. Um, <laughs> and I do work part-time for the North Country Mission of Hope. Um as their administrative assistant and doing like bookkeeping and things like that for them. But yeah, this is like my full-time gig. Um, the goal is to get to a point where I can pay myself a salary. Uh, you know, we're not there yet. It's mm -hmm. all funding type stuff. Uh, but I'm learning and we're growing exponentially. You know, that first year, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we raised, you know, $20,000. But like last year, last fiscal year, we raised, you know, $43,000. And this this year, I still have a quarter left in my fiscal year. And we're at $40,000 raised. Um, so I'm growing it. And it is growing. I thought that I would jump in and like it was going to just pop right i thought woohoo you know i'm starting this like and <laughs> i have had to really just buckle down and realize that um and then and i also one of my board members is my aunt michelle armani and she um she taught me like sarah things aren't just gonna pop like you have to work mm -hmm. it's going to be a slow go and so uh, that slow go was like okay um, I'm going to take a step back. It's going to happen when it happens. And here we are. And so Healing Grace is not anything like, um, Alexandra's house, by the way, we are where I, so my idea of starting an Alexandra's house, yeah, that was the inspiration, but Healing Grace is very much a different type of organization. We have, um, we have many programs. We're expanding to full grief work, uh, full grief support. Um, we have, um, we do so, all sorts of things. So we do have a moms of loss group that meets the second Saturday of the, the month, but we have expanded to support children of grief, uh, all grief. Mm -hmm. If they've lost a parent, a grandparent, sibling, we do a program called Bodie's Toadies. And Bodie was a baby and since is a, is in memory of a, a baby that one of our, our families had um, lost at 19 weeks pregnant and they're, they're children grief totes. And so they have items that are gonna comfort those kids when they're going through the initial stages of grief or at any point if they're struggling from grief. And they have like a coloring book, a blanket, a stuffed animal, a frame, um, some like so a hot chocolate. Um, the They have like coloring, uh, coloring pencils and stuff. It's just little items, really simple items mm -hmm. that just to let the kids know that they're being supported. We also do a children's grief group. Um, to it's a it's a group facilitated by um, a provider. Um, so we're kind of expanding our our reach, and we do a lot of um, remembrance programs like birth weight stuffed animals, and um, which are the the their stuffed animals. The family picks up the stuffed animal, and we. Uh, have I have a seamstress that volunteers and adjusts the stuffed animal to the weight of the baby. Mm -hmm. uh, I gave my kids Care Bears last year that were four pounds, one ounce, which was Grace's birth weight. And That's cool. Yeah, they love it. So we, so it, it's just uh, we do a lot of different things, whereas Alexandra's House is more of a peer-driven, peer-group-type support uh, system. So when you say Alexandra's House, that, uh, that would be – like you would offer support to someone who just went through it versus, like I said, um, Healing Grace is more like 
more outreach, but also is it less one to one? Is it more like group yeah. community feel? Or yeah. I guess like what would be the main the main difference from an Alexander's house to this? So Alexander's house offers a lot of group support. They uh, they also um, being in Kansas City, there are families that. Um, are going to lose babies and like their family rejects them. So they offer like space for them to live. Um, or sometimes the baby survives longer than anticipated. And so, but the baby's still unlikely to survive. So they'll go to Alexandra's house and able to spend their, their days with the baby there under the, in, in, in the house itself with, um, with Patty. Um, and so, and they do like peer groups and things, things like that. Healing Grace, we do we do offer a group. Uh, I would love to offer more groups, um, but we have found the best way to support families is outreach through CVPH, uh, the Women's and Children's Center. We have found support through connecting with the area school districts. You know, the, I was mentioning Bodies Toadies. We've given Bodies Toadies to um, Momot, Oak Street, um, Peru Central School District. Beekman Town, um, uh, Rouse's Point, uh, at NCCS, uh, also Saranac Lake, Lake Placid, uh, Keysville, Morrisonville. So, so everybody, yeah, yeah. I could go. Uh, the Ted K Center has also gotten part of it. You know, gotten some. So it, it's uh, so that's you know, and then like we have the miscarriage kits, which are a. It's a small gift. Mm-hmm. So a woman gets diagnosed with a miscarriage either in the ER or through, um, uh, you know, through their provider's office. We have these little gifts. They're a little stone heart that they can put in their pocket and carry with them. And just a card that says you're, you're not alone. Our stories are different, but we are never alone. Um, that's a big, uh, a big key message for us. And so, you know, we, that's something that we do and then we do a thing called champ boxes i had mentioned champ before and those are boxes that go to the women's and children's center at cvph and they're just um there's kind of like some toiletries for because often you get diagnosed at a doctor's office you go right to the hospital you don't have certain items with you Um, they also contain a book about pregnancy loss Um, we do um, we have a, a local she's a teacher in saranac and she does a side business called um, ABT Designs, uh, a broke teacher designs. And she does a wall hanging and it just says, my baby's playing among the stars. Mm -hmm. And we put the baby's name and the date of birth. And we found that just acknowledging and providing these small tokens, I don't, I don't want to minimize them, but these tokens, these, these, these symbolic and yeah, yeah. it it, it just, uh, it's just um, a, a way to, um, bring the family support but in a in a different way so we're not sitting maybe doing one-on-one talking or or things like that we would i would love to get a provider like a mental health provider in in healing grace so that we could offer a little bit more like grief support Mm -hmm. um and that is a goal i've been working at it for a while trying to get somebody to come in and do that um and that way we could kind of be full circle we could be doing these programs but also provide mental health care because grief care is like so important we all no matter what we're all going to experience grief mm-hmm. nobody's immune to it unless you want to live under a rock so so re- regarding that because you were um 
and there's a i'm not great with all the the science terms but um psychiatry or psychiatry is what you ran and then like psychological stuff with grief and was there was any of that background helpful with just the social aspect the mental aspect because i feel like you say grief um like there's a there's a you know it's all i say it's in the mind but like your your mind's experiencing the grief you know it's so it's it's a matter of like this is kind of like anything in life if you're going through grief whether it's a child a parent you know someone that's important to you like people have different ways of grieving they have different ways um of trying to you know live with whatever the new reality is do you find what has been what are the things that like you focused on when you were going through and still do like you said when you have you know december 2nd comes around or if and i'm sure it's you know as as yeah. As wonderful as your organization is, you wish it almost wasn't around. Absolutely, I'd give you know, because it it's almost like yeah, you want to just you want to put yourself out of business, and that's kind of. But the idea, um, so I guess from a like a mental standpoint, how do what do you find the best way? Is it? I mean, you talked about you love laughing into like it hurts basically. Like was was there humor? Was there you know kind of like trying to do positives? Was there just straight up just bawling your eyes out and just really struggling? You said dark days, like all of the above. I mean, all what? Of it. If, yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, 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 so first of all, grief is not just in the mind. There's a, there's a somatic component to grief. Okay. Uh, actually, to all of our emotions, right? We, we can actually, there's actually stu- research out there. Like we carry a lot of our emotions in our body. I mean, we're we constantly are feeling it. Like, um, so one of the things that's helped is doing a lot of awareness about how my body reacts to my emotions Mm -hmm. and so if i'm stressed out where can i where do i feel that in my body doing a lot of breathing i breathe a lot i do a lot of breathing um throughout the day but um uh yeah for sure comedy right i've always been a fan of like laughing and sitcoms um uh, romantic comedies any kind of comedy any you know I'm a big fan of Napoleon Dynamite. I can quote that. I'm a big fan of just, um, you know, watching. And you, you would think, you know, my daughter was born on December 2nd. So, you know, gosh, you know, it's Christmas time. How can you ever move forward and have a good Christmas? Well, you know, in my office, I have a television. I'm there by myself, you know, the whole day. I Once Christmas hits, I'm watching Elf. And then I have The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. And then I'm, you know, ch- you know, um, Christmas Vacation and Favorite Fred Claus and, yeah. you know, um, and so I'm just watching them on repeat to the point where I can just, you know, throw out like, you know, my kid asks me a question and I'll be like, I don't know, Margot, you know, just kind of like That's doing <laughs> so, and, you know, I, uh, I also find that I doing things that give me joy, like I I always wanted to. I've always loved sports, and here mm-hmm. I am coaching now. You know, I'm an assistant coach for the Seton Girls varsity soccer, and um, you know, the coach is much younger than I am, and so I feel like I'm like this grandma that brings in all Who, the energy. Who's the, who's the coach there now? Uh, Ariel Maston. Okay. Um, so well, is that is Donna's daughter? Uh. I think, I think so. I yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so she, so she's much younger than I am, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I have all these, these girls and I go in there and I'm like, you know, you can just, 
they're teenage girls and are having some struggles. And so I come in and, you know, I start singing Queen, Don't Stop Me Now. And like, I, one of my favorite Queen songs, too. Yeah. yeah you know, I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, I sing Proud Mary by, you know, with Tina CCR? Turner. You know, Tina Turner version. Oh, okay. Tina Turner. Yeah. Isn't that originally by CCR? Yeah, it was. It okay. was not originally by Tina Turner. But okay. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, to, to the point where they're really like, we, we had just like won a game and like, coach, what song's in your head? And, you know, it had been raining all Rolling. day. So I was like, uh, the arrhythmics, uh, you know, here comes the rain again. But then, you know, you have the girls are like, oh, we've got songs. And they start singing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is this is it. Like, we're having fun. And, you know, you know, we are we just lost and we're singing a song that just reflects what we're going through. And it's like it's connecting like it's all connection right we're Mm -hmm. all human beings and we all we all desire a connection on a really deep level and i do that a lot through humor i i make a lot of jokes at my own expense (laughs) and um uh you know i'm really goofy and that's that's how i get through the days um what about like you said your husband your daughter your your immediate family like pretty easygoing kind of fun people uh, yeah, they are. I have two daughters. I actually now have, I have a Julia who will be 11 in January. And then I have my Anastasia. Well, she prefers Annie. Um, she'll be 14 in, in February. Um, yeah, I, they are, they're all really, you know, one thing that I learned about when we went through the loss of grace was like the first thing that I was taught was you can't control each other's grieving so I always kind of stepped away from like I only ever focused on my own grief Mm -hmm. and so that's always been on my husband's shoulder like he has to handle his grief and I've got to handle mine um so you know we don't really get into a lot of discussion about that um and one of the but we do talk about grace a lot and we do um as if she's sitting there um my my uh, 10-year-old, we, she was four or five years old. She was like, Mom, how old would Grace be? It was leading up to her birthday. And I was like, oh, she's going to be 11 this year. And she's like, oh, Mom, uh, she, she's almost a teenager. She can do whatever she wants. And I was like, hold up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, on in heaven, on earth, teenagers do not mm-hmm. get to do what. Whatever You're still the mom, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> like, like they don't get to do whatever you want. So don't you think when you get to be a teenager that you're gonna do whatever you want? But um, yeah, yeah, they're they're fun kids. They love, you know. Julia's a big Taylor Swift fan, so we sit and watch Taylor Swift videos at night together. Um, in the in the in the box seats at a chief game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. watch this. We'll watch I'm, the game. I'm actually feeling a little bitter right now because she the Chiefs have lost the last two games and uh, she's been at both of them. So I'm almost tempted to be like, stay we, home, Taylor. We, we can go into football, but the the last play where Taylor <sighs> Kelsey or Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey, oh my don't, gosh. I, oh, Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I, I watched. That was a bad slip, but. So I'm like Taylor. I'm like no, no, no. So, but when Travis like basically passed the ball back and he ran yeah. for a touchdown, and then you looked and I'm like, I don't know if he's a rookie receiver. I'm like, he is not. I'm like, bro, you are two feet in front of the football. He looked at the ball. He's like, looking at the ball the whole time, and I'm like, dude, that's like modified, like which I I hate to pin it on one person, but I'm like, that's not even like a hard call. And the, and the announcers are like, hey, you know that 
oftentimes not called because it's not that big of a deal, but this guy is like two feet across the line. It was like to the point it, where I'm looking at it, I'm like, dude, you aren't even close. Your back foot's barely behind the line. It's not his first mistake this season, and I got to say, I did not appreciate how the Chiefs reacted either. I, I'm a big Pat Mahomes fan, and I love Travis Kelsey, but I felt like they went after the refs after the game, and I was like, yeah. really not the refs. Like, this is this is the receiver, Tony's fault, completely. You, yeah. This is like fundamental football. It, it's, it's like if you were... You know when like people get a rebound in basketball and they kind of like sloppily go out of bounds and they pass it in like n- majority of the time they're not two feet out of bounds like you learn as right. a kid and no ref calls it because like whatever it's not even that big of a deal nobody cares but and that's kind of what this should have been like but it was almost like the person like inbounded it standing in bounds and just passed it like no oh, that's like you, you can't do that like that's just it was yeah. almost to the point where like, it's so bad it was and, it was and the but sorry we'll keep going but that that was uh, that was just recently but the the play by. I mean, the like lateral pass back, I thought was great. Oh my gosh, like, the it, whole play it was, was great. It, it, that was a Hall of Fame play. Like it was an amazing play. Like, uh, you know, it was just I. I was so heartbroken when they the flag and they pulled it came back and I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I just I couldn't look at social media posts about the football game for like the first 24 hours afterwards because I was just like, oh my gosh, this I, I is this, I have this problem every year. The Chiefs are defending champions, right? Yeah, they are. Okay. Because I always forget. I'm like, who won last Super Bowl? And it took me a while. I'm like, they beat the Eagles. That was this past year. Okay. So mm. I, I'm one if like my team doesn't win, then I honestly forget who wins, who won this previous Super Bowl. But the uh, the Chiefs are eight and five still, but they're behind Well, the Dolphins. The Ravens are 10 and three. They're the best, but... The Broncos have won their last six uh, of seven or something like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're only a game out. But yeah, they they were they weren't looking very good. We hate the Broncos. Well, the 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 thing is though, that, like the Dolphins, Chiefs, Ravens. You can even throw the Browns in there. I mean, Jacksonville. That that's a dumpster fire. AFC South always terrible. But um, but you look at that. I mean, you have like some very solid teams, like kind of culminating. Mm-hmm. I think in the playoffs, like it's fun when you get to like the. You know, like the AFC champ, let's say championship game, the AFC like divisional playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you get into that weekend, and like you have really, f- I mean, if you caught the other side, you have like eight really solid games. That's when I start to get excited because then you get like you'll get the Ravens playing the Chiefs or something. Um, there was a stat though, and we'll go back to to we'll get off of football here in a sec, but the stat was they said something along the lines of Patrick Mahomes may have to go away in a playoff game. Which he's never done in his career. Yeah. Which is when I heard that stat, it was shocking to me. Yeah. But he he also has not lost back to back games ever in his career until uh, Sunday. He's incredible. Yeah, he is. I. So I mean, I just when you look at the stat line, because you always think, I think at a point in time he was overshadowed by Tom Brady just because of Tom's name. And it was like Tom. Tom and Pat was great. He had all the stats and stuff. But then you had like the Aaron Rodgers and you had all these other quarterbacks that were studs and then but i think if you actually just laid everybody out like laid all the stat lines down you'd be like pat mahomes is by far the best quarterback over the last what five six seven years yeah yeah i I don't even think it's close he uh, he he is and that's why it's when you have years like this year where i feel a little disappointed in what's kind of been but again they're eight and five which is still i mean they're still leading the division which is wild (laughs) which is not i mean not a bad thing i'm saying like their down year is still leading the division (laughs) yeah because i will i mean my team is sitting 
I'm a Giants fan. Lifelong Giants fan. <laughs> so is my father. Yeah, five and eight. That's fine. <laughs> I always say I'm like I got I got three Super Bowls in my lifetime with them. They're on a three game win streak. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it was very gloomy three weeks ago. But um, they actually beat the pack last night. So I hey, I, yeah. we're we're rolling. We're doing whatever we can. But sorry, I'll get off of football. Just my <laughs> uh, my team is horrible. I do like the Chiefs. So I, I have I. I love Andy Reid, even though Andy coached Philly for many, many years and mm-hmm. hated Philadelphia. But he was always like, they just, they won. And yeah, I think he's a class act. So he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess, so coming back, um, we'll go back into football after, I promise. We'll, we'll go into coaching <laughs> and all the football stuff. But um, so a couple qu- questions, I guess, off of that is, we were talking about before. Do you find in this, having you, just having you talk about this, to me, seems like, probably the best thing you can do is that when you still talk about grace, like actively, like how old is she going to be? Like there's her birthday. Like, but I almost feel like, I, I I think people deal with grief in different ways. Like we have, you know, I think of family members and stuff. We still like my grandfather passed away a couple uh, years ago and, you know, very um, like a lot of memories. And, you know, obviously one of my favorite humans ever, Uh, but you still, it's almost like you, he's passed, but you still acknowledge like, you see videos. You say, I'm like, oh, that just like, it sounds like him. Like, or he, he did this or he did that. And it's like, it's almost like that has never let, like physically he's left us, but like all the memories and all his mannerisms and things like it's still there. So I feel like the way we even talk about him, would be, we would still like, I feel like we still talk about him as if we were talking and he's like at his house. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like, like that was a tough one for me just because I just, I mean, he passed a couple years ago. I was in my 30s when he passed, so I have very you know great right. memories of him. Um, so, do you find that that is has been an important thing for you guys? Absolutely. Or is that I, yeah. something you set out to do intentionally, or is that just kind of manifested over time? Um, you know, I think that manifested over time. I I think that for me, um, you know, acknowledging talking because. I think one, I'm I'm a talker. I, I like to talk, but I also feel like when I talk about grace, when I talk about the stuff that I've gone through, there is healing in that. Every time I share her story, I'm sharing her life with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, she existed, and so uh, we and we also, you know, one thing. One of um, I believe it's David Kessler, who's this this author and grief expert. He he's he says when. When a loved one dies, um, you know that that physical relationship is over, but the relationship's not over. Mm-hmm. We still have love, and we still have this love for that person, that baby, that 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 being. And so it's it's so important for us to talk about those types of things. Um, holding things in is really not good for me like if i hold something in i'm gonna feel it in my body Mm -hmm. my body's gonna shut down if i talk about what's going on if i talk about you know a memory with grace or if i talk about you know i've uh i when we moved back in 2010 uh the following it was july the following may my grandmother passed away may of 2011 and you know i live in her house um, she had a baby die of anencephaly in 1951. I've always was really, I called her ma. I mean, she was like a, like just a really connected to her. And whenever I talk about grace, it's almost like she's kind of in the conversation too. And it's just like, I just feel like that, that keeps them with me. Right. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, I think about Harry Potter 
And when Harry Potter's fight, fighting Voldemort and he's got his his parents and Dumbledore are like watching over him mm-hmm. and they're just kind of like they're kind of helping him. I feel like that's how my loved ones are. Like I feel like Grace is there. I've got my grandmother, my grandfather and, and my grand, you know, both my grandmothers, my grandfathers. And then I've got my uncle Chris. My uncle Chris died in, in 2020 of ALS. And I and I just feel like they're like my my witnesses. They're like I carry them with me, mm-hmm. and it, it creates this legacy of them. Like if I believe they're going to be there, and it's for me, I believe they're there to support me, and they're going to kind of be with me in all I do. And um, that's how I find one to keep their memory alive, uh, two to find healing, and three to let my kids know that it's okay to talk about all this stuff. Right? I mean. How often do I, 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 you know, I think no, no fault to my family or anything, but I mean, I was a child of the eighties. We weren't sitting around talking about stuff like this, right. You know, um, and I think one of the best ways to kind of have a good, the, you know, and, and if something were to come up, like with my daughter and she's like 20 years old and she's having a mental health issue, like. She knows she can talk about it, like, mm-hmm. or if she's having grief, or if she's having anything. Like, talk about it. Like, don't hold it in. We hold things in, and we create shame. We create, you know, things that can go sideways. Uh, always best to get it out. And also, it's the best way to. Con- I, I think finding um, finding ways to continue their memory because it keeps them alive. Mm-hmm. Like for yeah. me, this organization, I always. One of the things I always say is that Grace is the breath and the life of this organization. She is, when you walk into my office, the first thing you see is the tree of life. And, you know, the the walls are yellow. And you're going to walk into an organization that does not, um, there. it's not gloomy. It's not dark. We have dark feelings. All of those dark feelings are okay. And I'm here to be an example of light after that. Do you feel... Um... As like you said, talk. I, I I agree. I think just talking and keeping, and especially like I said, your daughters, you know, like referring to Grace, my older sister, whatever they want to, mm-hmm. however they refer to her as, it's sure. it's you know, I think it's one that now that it's gone a generation. It will go another generation. Like they have children, they'll talk about right. Grace to them, and then it goes into the next generation. And then I think if you look at, do you feel when we talk about like. Grace is the lifeblood and kind of the the person behind it. And we talk about, you know, the book with the calling and everything like that. Do you feel that, because, I mean, as a parent, like when you have, a, and, you know, I say this to moms and dads, I think I always, I tell my wife, I said, she's got the hardest job ever, which is mom, which I think dad's hard, but mom is 10 times harder. Um, and I, I feel that, like, w- once you have kids, you put a lot of, you become you become more selfless. You give more up for your children. You sacrifice more. And sure. do you find, even though like that grace is like, this is your way of serving grace, you know, where it's kind of like almost full circle. Like if she was here on her, I mean, 14th birthday, you're probably, you know, you're dealing with teenager stuff uh, or six, almost no, 15, 15. 15. Yeah. yeah. So you're dealing with teenager stuff. But instead, it's like, well, I'm not dealing with teenager stuff, but she's making me run this business or something like. Right, where it's like yeah. it's still kind of like a fun. You know, I never thought about it that like way. A fun but spin. sure, I, I yeah, I've never even thought about it that way. Um, definitely, 
Yeah. Yeah, she's a headache in another way, right? Yeah, but it's it's almost like, hey, mom, like <laughs> this thing's like a cool thing, like, but you're gonna run it, and you're gonna right. have the sleepless nights, and you're gonna, you know, what you're gonna figure yeah. out like, bookkeeping and accounting and all those fun things <laughs> and legal that nobody wants to talk about with businesses. Um, Absolutely. But I feel like it, it almost comes full circle. It's like, well, I'm not doing the stuff I'm doing for you know Annie, but I'm doing this for you, and you're pain in the butt, teenager, just like your sister. And I think, <laughs> but if you kind of put, that I feel puts like a realness to it for sure. But I feel like, like to me, that's. You know, having you talk about it and hearing things like I feel like that's how she's just living in a different frame, like through you, through a business, but it's helping people. And it's like, you know, physically she can't help, but she can help whether it's just your internal drive, whether memory, you know, but your drive to keep that alive. Like she's sparking something to make this happen. So like it's funny, you know, when you start and I don't know anything about, you know, I think as I've gotten older, I've, you know, tried to cope more with like life and and death and kind of, you know, as things work and you kind of try your own ways to kind of understand it all. Not like the meaning of life, but just the idea of like, okay, like is there afterlife? Is there not afterlife? If, you know, you have kids now, which is different. And I find like, it's a lot of, uh, it's kind of like, like you said, your mission or what you're working on or, you know someone like this who's still part of your life that's driving some kind of force and then i think there's so much interconnectedness that like obviously it's tough to understand understand like the afterlife but i agree there's times like whether it's like call it sixth sense whatever you call it guardian angel whatever you use as a terminology um and that's why when I mean, people start getting into you know afterlife and things like my, i've always gone to the idea of like Yes, there's things that are hard to explain and maybe we can't explain scientifically. But then when I also you hear of like science and religion, I always think there's like a blend of the two that they're not as black and white as you think. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we take the, the scientific aspect of like, you know, life, death kind of thing. And then you put it with like the afterlife of is it real or not? Um, and I think you had wrote this in here of like reason or ways that I forgot how you worded it, but just kind of um, stories of evidence that my daughter's with me. Um, if you don't mind sharing some of those, but do you find, you know, that there's some stuff where like, I can't explain it, but she was a hundred percent on my shoulder, a hundred percent driving that situation or, um, cause I feel there's times where just like, I'll, I'll put an example my grandfather, who's like I said, passed away, mm-hmm. the passed away on my birthday. I'm born on Christmas Eve. So it's oh. right before Christmas. So, oh, um, so Christmas uh, passes away, Christmas evening, and I won't go into all, I mean, it was, it was a very peaceful death, but I won't um, go into all the details, uh, but it was like a, almost like a perfect scenario to pass. Like you couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, and I, I kind of like, not that I like, I don't want to pass, but if you had to pass in any other day, like my birthday's great because I just, it's kind of like. A connection. I, it's a connection. And, but the next morning we go up and we're going to family Christmas and it's not, I mean, he lived not far away. So like it wasn't. Um, and it was, it was tough. It wasn't very like grieving. It was just kind of like, you were still kind of like weighing it. Cause it only happened like 12 hours earlier. Cause he mm-hmm. passed in the evening, but I get in the car, got the kids, put on the Christmas music. The first song that comes on is a Christmas song about his hometown. I, it's one of my all time favorite Christmas songs and I have yet to hear it on the radio since. The only time I've probably heard it on the radio without like looking like going on like Apple or Spotify to listen to it, it's the only time I've I've heard it on the radio since I was a kid. It was the first song I heard the next morning, which 
It still gets me kind of choked up thinking about it. But it was like... What song is it? Uh, Christmas in Killarney, which mm, is an Irish song. He's from yeah, Killarney. He was born yeah. and raised there, came over from Ireland. Right. So he... Uh, but it was a song that even to this day I've yet to hear on the radio. And it literally was the first song I heard when I got in. And it was, it was just like one of those moments where you're like, okay, that was like felt more than a coincidence and I haven't heard it since and it was like but it was almost it felt to me kind of like like oh I'm good like enjoy Christmas it was his favorite holiday um so that that's just that stuff that sticks with me but that's like an example where I'm like like that was just like a symbolic thing of you know it's kind of like what I needed to hear that day mm-hmm. you know and and like I said it was like a grief thing but it also I kind of look at it and I'm like, of course I would play. Like, of course, like, you know, just right. like the Jolly Irish Absolutely. Christmas. And like, I, I just, it was great. So, um, but that's how I feel like there, I know it's like long winded, but that's how I feel like there's a connection where if you look at stuff, things happen that are just like unexplainable and you're like, you want to have a reason behind it. And sometimes you just have to let it go and be like, I, you know what? I can't explain it. And I don't right. want to, I don't really care. It just happened. And, and whether or not that was just a thing that hit me like mentally, or like you said, mentally, physically, um, it had meaning to me. Maybe that's all it was. Maybe it was nothing more than a coincidence, but I also can take that and spin it however I want. And for me, it was, um, it was like help with the grief. Yeah. And it was, it was literally the point where I'm like, you know, what? I'm, and as soon as I heard, it, I was like, you know, what? I'm good. I kind of laughed and I was like, uh, you know, and just kind of did the opposite, but it, it just, um, it was a pretty powerful moment for me. And, um, but I guess regarding how have you, because you, you know, you mentioned that, but like, have you seen that just with Grace or with others or things where you're like, there's no doubt in my mind, she's like right over me. Um, yeah. Yes. Well, first of all, I want to say <clears throat> the reason why and the explanation of why really doesn't matter, right? Whatever, what really matters is what you feel in that moment mm-hmm. and what you feel moving forward. The, because, because the, if we can kill ourselves trying to figure out or try and explain away things. But if it comforts you and it makes you feel like you're connected to your grandfather, then that's all that matters. That's the key to there. And mm-hmm. that's a great, uh, I lo- and I love that song. I actually do know that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's, not, it's, 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 it's yeah. a deep cut. So Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a definite. deep cut, yep. Um, so I, I, yeah, you know, over, over the years, I have definitely had moments like I could say, yep, I'm being, I am being held or I'm being, she's there with me. Um, even with my grandmother, like I said, I live in my grandmother's home. Um, and, uh, we moved in about a month or a little, a little over a month after she died. And I'm in the shower. My husband is in the bedroom and I'm not hearing like my name getting yelled out. And I was like, I'll be there in a minute. And I thought like somebody had, my aunts had walked in and my husband heard the yelling of my name. There wasn't a single person in my house at that time. Oh. So never happened again, but I just felt like that was my grandmother like kind of welcoming me into her home that she lived in for 65 years. Um, and then as with a lot, with, along with my daughter, I talked to my daughter a lot. Like I live in Lion Mountain, um, so... <laughs> And my life is in Plattsburgh, so it's a 30 to 45-minute drive anywhere I want to go. And so I spend a lot of time in the car, and I talk to Grace a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll be like, hey, Grace, you know what? Uh, you know, for example, uh, a year or two ago, I did a I, – I organized a little walk um, around the Oval with, like a, with a bunch of moms of loss, and I was – 
going driving in and I was driving by myself and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm really nervous. I'm always nervous when I do things like that. And I'm like, all right, Grace, your mom really needs a sign. I, I could totally use a sign this morning that I'm doing something right. And so I get to the Oval and there's a group of us in a circle talking, introducing ourselves. And this butterfly like flies over my shoulder and flutters around my face, almost lands on my nose and just but hangs out for about a minute in my face and then like goes off. And I was just like, it was just really like, I don't think that's ever happened again. Um, I know definitely not landing on my nose type thing, getting so close it was about to land on my nose. I definitely feel like that that was a moment. Like there was like, hey, here I, here I am. You're, you're doing right. Um, and then there was one other time. Well, there's been a few times, but there's this other time that's really interesting. Um, so I live in Lion Mountain. And in the, my backyard is the big ball diamond. Are you familiar yeah, with the big yep. ball diamond? Yep. So in the, in the, the, there's a lot of ore sand back there. And, yeah. and I was in the backyard and I was talking to my daughter, kind of having a moment and it was warm and this, there was no clouds in the sky. There wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of wind. And I start walking back towards my house and I hear some noise. It was like this crackling noise. It was loud. And I turned to look. There was nothing there. And I continue to walk a little bit. And I hear it again. It was this crackling, rustling sound. I turn. There's nothing there. So I get almost to my house. And I was like turned around to look. And there was this dust devil, which they're called. But there was this this there there was this tornado that stood as tall as my house of sand and leaves and debris coming at me at my house came across uh came across the backyard across the alley towards my house got to my house and then was gone and there was not a cloud in the sky the wind there was no wind except at that point with the the dust yeah that's wow so I I don't know. Never happened again. I don't know. I've been going there for since I I don't know, I was born in 76. I've been going there a lot of years. I never even heard of that happening or ever seeing something like that happen at my grandmother's house. I I I think there's something to all that. Like I yeah. I just Yeah. It's just these like these signs but I said there there's stuff that just catch you off guard where you're like it, I'm not even trying to make this happen. This is like too obvious. I'm like this is just weird. Like yeah. weird, but you're just like why, how did this happen and I Yeah, I I mean, this, yeah. I yeah. mean, then there's the things like, you know, at 7:56 in the morning, I'm driving into work and White Christmas comes on the radio. Yeah. I mean, that you look at. I mean, like the timing and the clock. I mean, there's just things like that. Like, yeah. you just have to think that there's little signs of us. You know. And I was actually just having this conversation. Um, we just had a mobs group on this past Saturday, and we were just talking about this. This is, you know a lot we have we talk about it a lot and just finding finding signs that they're there i i um one of the um i work for a psychiatrist in kansas city his name is dr mays dr kevin mays and uh he uh he's kind of been a mentor of mine um and his um his daughter was brutally murdered by his son and he was in a psychotic break. It was horrible. It was just uh, absolute horrible. And um, 
so Lainey had had died, and they were in the the, the it was a crime scene in the house, and the 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 police had let the family into the house to get some of Lainey's stuff to get together, to um, uh, for the funeral, and um, Lainey was an equestrian. She was in the equestrian at K State uh, out in Manhattan, Kansas, and. They wanted her riding shoes, and they had gone through the whole house. Dr. Mays, his wife, his sister, they had gone through the whole house. They couldn't find Lainey's riding shoes. And so her, her sister, his sister, Dr. Mays' sister, was like, all right, Lainey, we need your riding shoes. We need them now. So they just yelled it out. So then they go back to this, this closet they had already gone to and sitting dead center in the middle of the closet were the riding shoes. Yeah, isn't that? I mean, yeah. There's gotta there. I get goosebumps. I mean, I don't know. Everybody has a different take on those things, but to me, that's just. And at that moment, Doctor Mays told me that he knew that she was okay. Mm -hmm. Like it just, he just knew. Like she's okay. Yeah. I I well, I think, and like I said, back to my grandfather, and and, you know the dust, the dust storm, and the and the late or butterfly. Like I think. there's a level, like, to me, there's just a level of comfort. Even hearing those stories, and I don't, like I said, never met Grace, never met the Laney girl, but, like, you have a comfort level of, like, it It feels like there's at least some type of communication to the family, like you said, and however that's taken. I I mean, I'm not a, you know, I hear, I have some friends that are, like, big medium, medium people, mm-hmm. like, and all that, and I'm like, I'm sure there's something to it, which I have nothing against it, but I'm not one, like, go seek it out, like, I... I'm like I'm good. Maybe, I have a medium story, and and maybe okay. So I'll have you tell it. But like maybe that's something down the road I, I want to do. But I don't discount that there's like a lot of connections. I don't discount that there's there's something to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there's more around us, and that's why I, I go back to. And I know this is just like my overthinking, like nerdy mind, but I feel like. The, there's so much connection, I think, between life and death that we really don't understand yet, and we understand more than we did, you know, hundred years, five hundred years, thousand years ago, right. um, or maybe, and sometimes maybe have slipped away from some stuff. They probably had better understanding of years ago, um, but I feel like there's over time. I think we'll start to understand more of that kind of transition period. Um, but I feel like there's more interconnectedness than like okay you pass and you're done. Like there's not, there's nothing else like your physical body. But I, 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 I believe in like, like science stuff, like energy and body and like how you decompose. And like, I think there's still a lot to it that we don't know yet. And it's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating, but also Absolutely. gives me the idea of there's like a level of hope. And I, not that I'm, um, thank God I haven't had much of it, but I feel if there was to have like a traumatic event, I'm almost like, I think trying to train myself of like potentially how to think or deal with it. Should it come? Obviously I don't know. It's like quote, like everybody's got a Mike Tyson, like everybody's got a game plan to get punched in the face. It's kind of like that, but it's the idea of I'm hoping that I can kind of come to terms with at least some of the aspects of it. And then if something were to happen, God forbid, that would be maybe something I could lean on as kind of like a prep for it, which I don't know if it's the case, but that's like what goes through your head, through my head. Um, in like weird scenarios, but like, again, I think it's just trying more to just have a little bit more cognizance, like be more cognizant of that, you know, of that just in life, but you can do in your median story. Sure. I, uh, well, I think, you know, I think we try and prep- prepare ourselves for a lot of things like that, but I think ultimately it's, 
never really helps. Yeah. Well, I think I, I mean it doesn't. I mean it does. It, it helps, but I think it does. It there's. Um, I think having that belief that there is something there is going to help. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that that creates a, a pathway to. I mean, I, th- I think it's like Mike Tyson. You get punched in the face, and you're like, "What the heck happened?" Like, you know, I, which again, hopefully, never happens. I mean, right. it will at some point in my life, but hopefully, it's you know, yeah. not yeah. But I've, I've never been to a medium. Um, a little skeptical myself. Okay. Um, I the now that I have this organization, and I've kind of there's been a few, you know, and I. I'm a little more skeptical to do it locally. Like I would love to do it anonymously if I did it. Um, that being said, uh, last year I um, I got a I got a message from my cousin on Facebook Messenger. Um, now I haven't. I think I've seen my cousin. She lives in Granville, which is just outside of Queensbury, down down uh, down. Um, Queensbury area and on Vermont border and and uh maybe seen her one or two times since my grandmother passed in 2011 uh basically any kind of real talking or conversations maybe some messages on Facebook but very little conversation so out of the blue I get a message and she's like "I, I need to tell you something I went to a medium and the medium told me to tell the medium told told me that our grandmother uh wanted to this is the lady you live in the house now Mm -hmm. okay so the medium told my cousin that my grandmother's coming our our shared grandmother our grandmother is coming through and that she has a message for me sarah Mm -hmm. that she has grace and that she knows what i'm doing and to keep doing it now i don't know who this medium was I don't know where she went to do this. Mm-hmm. And I haven't, I think I've talked to her one time since that conversation with the message. So I don't know if it, like the the message was for me, for her, like she went to the medium and I got, and got a message for me. It just seemed really kind of coincidental, but I just, it, 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 it didn't really matter because it really just helped me, yeah. right? It helped me in the moment. So it's just interesting that, you know, I haven't, she's three hour, two and a half hours away going to a medium and this medium is like giving her I, information about me. So like me, median, um, so my, I've never gone to an official one. I remember back in high school, it might've been like one of those after prom things. And, uh, they had like a psychic, psychic, I would guess kind of, I don't know. They're like, whatever the terminology is, but yeah. there's a psychic. And I remember sitting there and at the time. I was with um, the girl I went to prom with. It was a girl I was dating. And I remember sitting there and, you know, we're next to each other and we're talking. And it's like, I'm sure pretty obvious that we're a couple. Like, not like just random people sitting on a couch. So then we went and talked to her. And it was like very vague stuff. And it was like stuff where I'm like, I feel like you probably just pulled a bunch of stuff out based on the five minutes we were sitting on the couch waiting for the next person to leave. Right. So I was like, one, I'm like, that was like total crack of you know it just wasn't worth it or whatever right. it wasn't, wasn't very impressive but then i've heard like people that are like legit mediums that i think like actually you know don't do school gigs that probably have a <laughs> career in business and stuff right. and uh the, the person like and i've heard some like crazy stuff where people have like out of the blue like i went in they have no clue besides what they could physically see of me and they told me all this crazy stuff and 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 stuff some of the stuff too was 
specific enough where it wasn't just randomly like, oh, this male or female in your life. And then you're kind of like connecting the dots or trying to fill in the blanks. It was more of like, do you have this person that had like this or this? And you're like, uh, yeah, that's kind of creepy. And I've heard that from people. So yeah. I do think there's there's a lot of validity to it um, for people that I think are legit. I think there's some money grabbers, but I think there's some legit people. Well, of course, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think that's where my whole idea is like, I want to be anonymous. Like, I want to go in. I I don't even want to give you my real name. I want to give you like, you know, I'm Betty. And now tell me who I am. (laughs) Tell me who. Betty, that's a good idea. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> that, that, see that would be the most impressive and maybe don't even see you like right like i just yeah. like, give me my thing but i don't know i don't i, I, I don't know I, how it, science of it works whatever but right i do think there's some validity to it um so last questions i want to ask and then i want to dive into some uh extracurricular stuff here um the so go, going with what you've done so far and you know what you've over the last uh, you said four years now going on five it's gonna be no we're in our fourth year yeah it was It'll 19 be, so. so yeah it was well we we were officially we were officially uh incorporated as a nonprofit in july of 2020 okay so about three and a half we're going yeah, yeah. For, for so based on those how and I, i've asked some guests on this one like you look back over those last three and a half years what has been the biggest um accomplishment over that time where you're like I'm extremely proud of myself or the team or, you know, the board of directors or whoever doing, and then maybe looking forward kind of like what would be a vision that you'd hope to accomplish or some, like maybe some long-term goals you want to kind of build towards off of where you are now. So I think, um, gosh, what am I most, you know, there's been, I think, there have been a lot of things that I am extremely proud of. I think, you know, initiating the miscarriage kits um, and getting that off the ground, that was really big, and the champ boxes and, you know, doing the peer groups and things like that. And and, and just, one, keeping it afloat is like, like just growing that. But I think one of the things that hit me the strongest um, – going back to the, the, the children's grief totes, the gr- grief bags, the comfort bags that I do, this past, um, this past, well, the past few months in our area, we've had significant amount of uh, young lives lost. We've, you know, there was a, an 11-year-old in Peru and then the, um, the young man in um, Shazy and as well as, as uh, Champlain. Um, so, we've been reaching out to the schools and trying to be a support to the area through that. And this past Saturday I had, um, I got a card. Um, and it was a card from, uh, two siblings that had received a couple of these bags and what it meant to them to receive them. And I thought I sat that moment right there. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't gotten, something like that. Like I hadn't gotten, and, and, and not that I'm looking for that, but I, it was that moment where I opened that card and I'm reading these, these children's words of the impact. They had lost their mom in August. And it was like, this, this is big, bigger than yeah. me. This is, in, this is why we're here, right? This is what I want to do. I want that impact. I want to be the, I want to help 
people get to where I'm at, right? I, I have found a way to live it, have the moments of dark and then also have moments of light. And I want to be there so that other people can have that too. Mm-hmm. And, and who, how, I mean, how great is it to help a child? Like, like they, they just are so, they, they, they go through things so much differently than we do. And that sometimes feel so alone. And to make an impact like that, that was huge. I, I really, uh, and, and, you know, I shared it with Bodhi's mom uh, because that's Bodhi's life too, mm-hmm. right? This baby that died at 19 weeks is making an impact right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And it, so these, these things, these lives that we have in our, they can be, continue to make impacts and, and continue to help people. So that was really big for me. Well, I also think too, and this goes, I mean, you're dealing with a small business or nonprofit, you know, something you started from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of the hardest jobs is anybody that's like, I think starting something from the ground up, whether business, nonprofit, I mean, they're all, I mean, there's, it's a level of a lot of the same stuff. And there is, and I'm speaking from experience, but I'm sure having, having talked to many people in this position, I think it's a common thing. There's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of tough days. There's a lot of, <laughs> you know, days where you're like, well, you want to throw in the towel. Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I suck. I am no good. Like, I think anybody who's ever started something, because it takes time to get traction, even you be as positive as you can be, you're going to doubt yourself and you're going to, the first bout of criticism, you're going to say, I'm no good. I agree with the one person that voiced a negative opinion. Right. But I would say, look, I think what, the two things that I've always felt like is like, kind of internalizing why you do something. So really like other opinions don't matter in the long run. And for you, obviously there's a major, um, you know, reason why you do it. But I think that if then you do get the moments where someone does say great job or someone gives you a little bit of encouragement or someone like just anything that's like a little bit of hope of like, maybe I'm not a total failure. And I think that, you know, I, I think, um, I've heard before, like if for every person that says you're great, there's probably a hundred X, a thousand X people that would voice the same opinion that don't. So I think, and I've thought that before where if I get a thank you card, if I get someone that does something nice in my head, I'm like, that was the only one I got, but it makes me think based on a lot of things I've looked at that there's probably more people that feel the same. So not, don't feel like you're useless, but I mean, just naturally, like I don't say great job to a lot of people that I would love to say great job to. It's Mm -hmm. just, we're just, we're human. We just do whatever. So I think those two young children that said something to you, you could probably say, hey, I think everybody we touch would have this same sentiment, whether or not they sent a card, whether or not they oh, reached absolutely. out. So I think a lot of it is even just, but that's like a slight, that's proof for you where it's like I have something tangible to read where it's not really a belief. It's more of like, I can actually see it. Like they wrote it and that was really right. nice of them. Um, I've saved almost every thank you card I've ever had in 15 years. Like I've oh, saved yeah. them all. Um, you know, and, and I think some of them is like days when you're like, I, I've done it before. I'm like, I suck. And I'll pull that down. I'll just flip through it. Kind of like nostalgic. And I'll be like, oh my God, I remember them from seven years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. But I was like, that's a nice card. And that's a nice thing they said. And like, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not t- that bad. Right. Even though you have that. So I think that's good. Someone voiced that to you because it's tough, especially when 
you're starting something and you're in the first few years and most things don't survive over a couple of years. And the fact that you're like, okay, we're starting year four, we're doing it. And whether or not, whether or not that's, like I said, it's come easy or come hard, or if it's like truly a getting uh, bossed around by grace, like I feel like something's happening where it's like, we're, we're just going to keep going like one foot in front of the other, but it's nice to get that recognition, you know, from time to time. I think slow and steady, right? Like I mm-hmm. think, like I thought, I, 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 w- I was hoping to get into this and like I said, skyrocket to, to success and just be like, uh, uh, you know, everything was going to fall in my lap. And I think it has been such a struggle over the last three and a half years that, and I, I, I think that that's what's allowed me to have a, an idea that maybe we can be around for the duration. Um, and I'm my worst critic. And I have conversations in my head um, all the time. Like I, 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 uh, if you see me in public and I'm, my mouth is going and no one around me, just know I am losing the argument. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's good. <laughs> There's no way I can win because on this, you know, I, I just go back and forth and I am constantly putting myself <laughs> down and like just, it's just a horrible thing. And anyway, um, yeah, I've had some weird looks in the grocery store for sure. But yeah, yeah, um, it is good to get that card from. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, I heard recent a thing recently, and I've like, like, try like it was just very simply put, but it's like it's impactful. But it's also like those tough days. They said you can't lose. The only way you can lose is if you quit. So it's like if you just don't quit, you're not going to lose because you just constantly. Wasn't it Michael Jordan that said you miss a hundred percent of the shots? You Wayne Gretzky. Hit? Wayne Gretzky. Actually, Michael Scott said it. But oh, Michael Scott said it. Do you watch The Office? Yes. It's actually. I'll show you before you leave. It's a poster in my wall. It's a picture oh, of Michael. God, I thought it was. Yeah. It's a poster of him like leaning down and behind him is a whiteboard that says you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky quote Michael Scott. Yeah. So he was quoting a quote. It's great. It's a so bro- that's where I'm getting. I must have got it from watching the show. Yeah. It, I swear it's in my office i'll have that's you see awesome. it before you leave it's actually the, one of the only things hanging up in my office um and it has it really doesn't have to do with the actual quote i'm just an office fan so i just like it just yeah absolutely um so the, office. the uh so how long have you been coaching soccer uh this was my second year so so uh it, it and it was like whoo i missed this i like i should have been doing this a lot longer did you play soccer is he i did you play soccer and did you go to college and play i played at clinton um, <clears throat> a couple years. Um, actually, it was funny. Um, so we were the first girl, women's soccer team at Clinton to go to regionals. Did Donna coach you? Uh, was not Donna at the time. I had Donna. So the we had who was our? I had um, my gosh, our I played basketball at Clinton, and Elizabeth was my assistant coach. I think it was my freshman oh, year. Oh, Pearl? Yeah, or my, yeah, my second year. Freshman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because she was a basketball remember. player at St. Rose. Was it St. Rose did she go to? I'm pretty uh, She played basketball. I thought she went to Sage. Was it Sage? It was something down there. It might be Sage. Yeah. 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 But I know she played so basketball. She, so, yeah, I can't remember who was my. I know I had. I had I, 
one year we had one year my soccer coach oh no 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 donna was not my soccer coach at clinton um one year we had um we had different soccer coaches each year i played there and um it's a funny story I'm, i i don't know if you know kelly passano yep. but yep. She, so I'm, i first time i meet her going in to get a massage and i'm like yeah, I played um, soccer. I we I was played. I don't know how we were talking about. It. I'm like, yeah, we were the first team to go to the regionals, and she's like, yeah, we won the national championship. <laughs> I was one like, up, and she was like MVP, and I was like, all right, uh, <clears throat> I'm just gonna shrink over here and get high. <laughs> What, what is it? You, you got to uh, stand on the shoulder of giants or whatever to move and be like, I'm just the one you stood on. So like, you're welcome. Exactly. Exactly. We had to pave the way for you to get there, Kelly. Like back in my day, we had to drive like cars to the game. Like just like some outrageous thing where it's like, you guys got it good. Like you got it good. You got to coach with us. I had to walk from, you know, up the hill through snow. Both ways. Uh, both ways. Um. So, but so c- coming back to coaching though, was yeah. that, <clears throat> was that something that you've always wanted to do? Did you have background in it? Was it just like, hey, this is an opportunity, be fun? Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 I think I, I don't know if I have always wanted to do it. Um, it kind of started. I started to think about it. I knew I didn't want to be a head coach. Okay. But I uh, and you know my kids. Um, Annie plays basketball, but she also does dance. Julia does gymnastics and dance. Neither of them are really sports inclined. I loved all the sports. I played softball, straight up, uh, like a through well I played through Clinton so I played soccer basketball and softball at Clinton for two years um and so I've always loved sports um and so I guess a year well not this yeah a year ago a little over a year ago I was like hey if you need some help with the soccer team I'm happy to do it I would like to be a part of it and just jumped in and um so this was my second year assisting and I did not I don't want to be a head coach I have no desire to be a head coach. I like being the quirky old lady on the sideline. Like that's, like I, I bring. Did, I want to bring. The have, energy. I mean, not to say quirky old lady, but did you have Sharon relation as a coach? Sharon relation was my gym teacher. She wasn't your coach back in no the soccer. No, my soccer coach, uh, my varsity soccer coach was Jeff Passano. Okay, I don't. That was. Um, but so my wife played and and she, um. Sharon was the coach, but she was funny. But she's she's like she's always joking around and having fun. I mean, now she's older. She got, back then she wasn't. But it's just anytime I think of that, I was like, see, and you must have had Sharon because she was just funny. Yeah. Anytime we see her, she's always just joking around and goofing. Gina loves her, so she was my my gym teacher. Okay, yeah, and I, I so yeah, we had I had my varsity coach was Jeff Passano for soccer, and then my basketball coach was uh, one year was Bruce Stevens, and the next year it was uh, Sam Campbell. And uh, but yeah, no, um, yeah. And, and, and I, I, it's funny, I, I, you know, they were great coaches and I, I don't know if I ever really thought about it at that time doing something like this, but because my kids don't play sports, I found this was like a way to get involved. Um, is Mary Forbes still the AD? She's a principal and an AD. Yeah. And Ariel's the assistant AD. Who's the head coach of soccer? Yeah. Does she work there? Yeah. yeah, She's a math teacher in high school. Okay, cool. Um, so and I was going to say, the, as an assist, so I think I coached, I think it was eight years. So this was like pre-kids. I, I got out right. when I got married and we were going to have kids. Um, I did two years of assisting on the varsity, same thing as you. And then I ended up getting asked to go down to do JV, like head coach of JV. And right. I remember I'm like, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't want to. 
like one, I don't want the responsibility. I don't want to deal with like parents. I don't want to deal with like, like everything. And then I ended up doing it for six years and it just became natural. And I, I mean, again, if it wasn't for getting married and having kids, I would still love to coach. But, um, I think there's a level of coaching that's fun because you know one you're giving back to the kids but you Mm -hmm. see the game in a totally different way from like a playing um and i also feel it allowed me when you talk about um like i would say it actually like got me out of my shell from talking now they have a problem talking but it was like public speaking every day and of course you're like dealing with like teenagers and um but i feel like it allowed me to open up a little bit i got more responsible i I got more like a leadership kind of like thrust in like these kids are like uh i don't know what to do and i just like making stuff it's like parenting you just make stuff up on the fly i don't know i'm gonna try this out and uh my, my kids at some point will be like dad you really didn't know anything I'm like i didn't uh-uh, but um actually not. yeah still don't. yeah still and uh it's probably worse when they're teenagers because they tell you you don't know what you're doing i i, I hear yeah uh yeah yeah i i yeah sure <laughs> i I try. But, I was hoping that, you know, maybe coaching, being an assistant varsity coach at Seton would get me some street cred with my kid. But that Do they go to Seton? They, yeah, they do. Yeah. Once, yeah, she's in eighth grade and plays modified basketball. And then my uh, Julia's in fifth grade. Uh, it didn't give me any street cred. I, I'm still, you know, loser mom. <laughs> so, but, you know. No, that's fine. And, and um, you're known for your quiche. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so starting, so starting. <laughs> I know we went really far. We went from soccer to quiche. So I, like quiche, I love though. to cook, right? Yes. I love to cook. I'm a big, I, I'm a, I, I'm a, I love doing it. My dad was a great cook, um, kind of a family thing. But so I, I started making quiche and it, it was just turned out really well. And then it's funny. I started this organization and I was like, let's do a quiche fundraiser. I had done them previously okay. for raising money for people. And I was like, okay, well, why don't I? So I had, they were like, why don't we do a fundraiser for Healing Grace to do a quiche? I made um, 230 quiche in a day. And Were you uh, making the, the uh, crust? I, no, we did not make that. We had the pre-bought okay. crust. Which, but, which but, is still impressive. But I just wanted to, I'm like, but, you know, uh, so this we lady were, might be super, yeah. super amazing. And super uh, so I made 230. And so anyways, I'm, I, I, make, I raised like $2,000. So then I go and I'm applying for a grant through the Cloud Splitter Foundation, and um, they're out of Saranac Lake. And I, I tell, she goes, "What funding sources do you have?" And we're like, "Well, we did a quiche sale," <laughs> and she was like, um, "You really need to kind of um, get some traditional funding type things going on." Like, like she couldn't believe like I would did a couple grand in quiche. Yeah, how, how many eggs was that? Like, what was it, 200 and something? So, so how many each, eggs do you put in each? Each quiche, because it depends. When you buy the pre-made, um, when you buy the pre-made uh, shells, if you don't get the deep ones, you can only put, like, two eggs in it. But if you get the nine-inch deep, the deeper ones, you can put three eggs in. So, you know, three eggs at 250? Yeah. Divided lot. by 12. I don't want to do the math, but that's a lot. A lot of eggs. Um. And uh, thankfully, I was doing it, and my uncle had gotten, like, Drew had donated uh, all the eggs, so it was it was great. Oh, Drew's? Yeah, they donated oh, all the Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, they have a handful there. Yeah. They yeah. Can, um, <laughs> the, uh, so I guess, random thing, because I do like quiche, but quiche, what is in a quiche, and what's your favorite type of quiche to make? So, my quiche 
is heavy cream, eggs, cheese, and then the secret ingredient, which won't be so secret, is nutmeg. And then um, I think, and then I think my my favorite. I may I typically when I do a fundraiser if I'm making a lot for people, I put uh, ham and cheese is one. Then I'll do broccoli and cheese, yep. and then I'll do broccoli ham and cheese. Um, I've also put okay. mushrooms in like grill, um, uh, sautéed onions, which is really good with some bacon. Um, I love it all. I think I'm pr- I prefer the broccoli ham and cheese. Okay. To anything I, I would... else. Okay, that would be but, your favorite. Yeah, the mushroom, onion, bacon one sounds good though. Oh, that's really good. Because I like, uh, I like, I like cooked onions. Not a big raw onion. I mean, I'll eat them, but I like, yeah. um, and I really dislike raw mushrooms, but I love cooked mushrooms. Oh yeah, these are it. it I mean, once they're cooked, it's good. Like, yeah, yeah, and, and and you have to use heavy cream. It's a must. It's a textural thing. It, it's like absolute mandatory. Are you? Yeah. So here's people that skimp on recipes. Like if you're gonna do heavy cream, you get like if you get a recipe and like I'm gonna use like milk instead of heavy cream, it's just different. It's different, and it's a different consistency. It tastes different when you're trying to make like the the like. This is my I got a pet peeve here. This is gonna be a soapbox moment. So if you're gonna like, you know when people have dessert and they try to like skimp on ingredients to make it quote unquote healthier. This is my opinion with this. If you're concerned that your dessert is not, you want to make your dessert healthier, you probably have a very poor nutritional balance of food. Where my thing is like, if you eat really well and you want dessert, (laughs) then you should be like to the, like in my opinion, and pre-kids, I was way more into nutrition and fitness and stuff, but I would like eat really well. And if I was going to have any kind of dessert, like I went full bore, like I didn't care. I'm like, I want the toppings. I want the biggest size. It doesn't matter because I think at that point, it's like, if you're going to have a dessert, have a dessert. Don't like go have, like, again, don't dip your toe in the water and dessert. Right. Same with the quiche. Like if you have a quiche, like eat a good quiche. Right. And uh, so I've always gone with the idea, like heavy cream, cheese, (laughs) butter, like you need it and it's going to make it taste better, which they do because that's the whole purpose of them. Right. It elevates it. Absolutely. Do you put, have you ever put heavy cream in coffee? I have. That's one of my favorite or, things. Or light do. cream. I, you know, I've done both, but like typically I've done the heavy cream, but that's Do you a drink rare. a lot of coffee? I drink a lot of coffee. Oh, okay. So like what's your normal way of taking coffee? Um, well, I do, sometimes I'll do half and half with a little sugar. Okay. Um, sometimes I'll do like just some sweet cream, but um, yeah. No, that's yeah, yeah, that's just, what I do. I I, I really like. Um, I, I mean, I like a good latte, but like when I'm work, I'm drinking and working at the um, drinking coffee at my office. It's typically just really basic. Um, but heavy cream to me is like, if I get a heavy cream americano with heavy cream, is like my go-to. That's got to be a really rich cup of coffee. It's amazing. But the thing is with, with an Americano, because it's espresso with basically espresso beans, whatever, like a little bit of, um, it's basically an espresso shots with hot water. Right. So there's actually less caffeine. And again, someone could fact check me on this. I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. There, there's less caffeine in that because it's more concentrated because you're basically filtering it out. It's kind of like a coffee tea. And right. I like both. I like both of them. But I always put heavy cream in it. I used to get it at Starbucks. It's really the only place that consistently carries heavy cream. Um, and that one is not something I do every day. That's like a treat. It's like right now around Christmas time, if I'm to go around it, like I'll be like, yeah, give me that. And some days where I'm just like, you know those days where you're like, I just, screw it. I'm just going to get it because yep. it's like a day. And I'm like, I just, some days I come into work. I'm like, I'm just chilling at the office working on some stuff. I want to put on some music. I want to be in my own zone. 
and then I might stop there as like a treat because I'm just it's just like oh, something. Good. Yeah. Usually I'm, a, I'm black coffee. I drink like every day black straight black. I don't put anything in it. Um, same grandfather I told you about before told me when I was like 13, 14, when I like started to drink coffee like once a week at the diner. He told me don't put sugar in it and it'll kill you. Literally told me that when I was a teenager. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I've come to find out after the fact. My mom and my grandma were both like, he put sugar in his tea. Like, But I never put sugar in my coffee. Um, and I think to this day, I've never voluntarily put sugar in my coffee. Meaning wow. like someone screwed up my order and I'm like, ugh. And, and usually if it's sweet, I don't like drinking it. But the heavy cream is like, there's no sugar, but it adds the fat flavoring. Right. So it's good. So it's something yeah. to try. It's- I'll have to try it. I, 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 uh, I used to be like, like a ton of like sugar. I, I, I have gone back, cut back on my, my, my sweetened, um, sweetener in the coffee, in the coffee itself. But I, I still like it a little, <laughs> a little sweet. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. I, my favorite right now. Like I, I, I've always been a fan of like the pumpkin spice latte, which everybody's like, oh, basic, pumpkin. but that's all right, right? <laughs> but I love a good like gingerbread. I've, I've, I've hopped on okay. I like a and then um, chapter one right now has an eggnog latte that okay. I just tried for the first time. Is that pretty rich though? Eggnog? Uh, the eggnog, uh, yeah, or it just was more really good. It was really good. I don't know what they if they actually. I think it's actually they do a like, really good job. They do. I it I, was a really good latte. I usually get um, just the pour over there, a black pour over. Yeah, I always say yeah. it puts in chest because it's just like it hits you, but it's good. Like I love it. Um, <clears throat> they do a good job. Um, all right, and if there's anything else. I really just wanted to ask you about the quiche because, like, nobody's ever said I'm known for my quiche. I, I, I love I, it though. Well, you know, I'll, I have a there's a woman that lives in Lion Mountain, and she'll be like, I'm out, she'll buy like a bunch of them, and then she'll like run out of them. She's like, Can you make me some more quiche? And then I've had people who are like, Can I have your recipe? And I'm like, I'll give it to them. And they're like, Oh, we just can't get it like you do. And I was like, It's just the love that I put into it. Sometimes it just hits different. I don't know what it is, if it's like the water or if it's like the actual stove, but it does it does actually matter. So It does. Um, Sarah, we're going to wrap it up there. But last thing I want you to do, if anybody's looking to – can anybody help you out, donate, any Absolutely. events coming up, anything you want to plug before you leave? Um, so, yes. we. I mean, if there's uh, – if anybody wants to make a donation to, our, to, to Healing Grace on uh, supporting our programming, they can go to our website. I think it's uh, Healing Grace – ph.org slash donate um the money goes through all the programming it's all local and um we also are collecting items for our bodies toadies which i believe you can find a list of what's in a bodies toady on our website if not it should be there soon i think on services uh, it's there oh services i'm sorry i'm on under shop no, no, shop? no, no. Okay, like Christmas you could buy. You stuff? could buy. Yeah, we 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 have that option if people wanted to order stuff on our shop. Um, not a lot of people have have done that, but if you go under services, it gives a list of all of our all of. So if anybody needs any help or would like some support, they can definitely reach out to me um, and go. You know, to contact and there's all comfort cups. Yeah, yeah, all the sorts of things we do. So, all right. And a way to contact us is on our site too. Um, no, this is good. Yeah, I appreciate this, Sarah. Thanks. And I, 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 like I said, it was something that I looked at and I was like, you know what, this is like out of my wheelhouse for sure. And but in a good way, meaning I like to talk to people in topics that I don't ever talk I, about. I, and it's I good. hope that I provided an opportunity and and it, it put it out there that yes, we talk about it, an extremely heavy topic. But I am anything but heavy. Like I am. A, I, I want to be a light. Like I, I want to acknowledge the heavy, but also be a light. 
Yeah. I think if you act like this with other people, which I'm sure you're even more outgoing and crazy with your, your group, that I think it would be good. But um, we'll put some stuff in the show notes. Again, healinggraceph.org. Uh, there's a couple sites. Donate's right at the top. So you guys just backslash to donate. Um, but Sarah, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Rachel, thank you. shout out. Great, uh, great uh, you, recommendation. Rachel. And uh, yeah. cool. One there. That is uh, episode 253 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thank you for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.